Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. Would you help me to preach from this great book of God, the book of Jonah? Help me to preach in the power of the Spirit. Oh God, help people to stay focused now as we dispense the word of God in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Turn with us to the book of Jonah. We've been going through it all summer, and uh, we're just going to continue uh, on uh, Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. The book of Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through, let's go 4 through 10. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. The word of God reads, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed, Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of these. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. I want want to preach from the subject uh, as, as, as last week. It's time to preach. It's time to preach. Verses 4 and then verses 5 and onward, we have the people of Nineveh believed. The people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. What were the sins of Nineveh that would incur God's judgment? Why did God want to destroy Nineveh? Why was God angry at Nineveh? Why was he going to judge them? Why was he going to wipe them out? What what made God want to destroy this particular nation? A, Nineveh was a violent, cruel, bloodthirsty, and wicked people. That's why he wanted to wipe them out. Nineveh was a violent, cruel, bloodthirsty, and wicked people. 
In the book of Jonah, the same book, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God sees wickedness. God hates wickedness. And God says, I am tired of the wickedness of the Assyrians. I'm tired of the, the wickedness of, of the Ninevites. Enough of their foolishness. E enough of their sins. I'm going to kill them. B. Nineveh was full of lies, thievery, and deceit. That's why he wanted to destroy them. They were full of lies, thievery, and deceit. In, in Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 and 7, it says, Woe to the bloody city! It is all full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs. It shall come to pass that all who look upon you will flee from you and say, Nineveh is laid waste. That's how, when God through, get through with them, they were just going to be wasted. Who will bemoan her? Where shall I see comforters for you? Why did God want to destroy the Ninevites? See, Nineveh was guilty of worshiping false gods and also engaged in witchcraft and the occult. And how much of that do we have today? People worshiping their gods, the gods of Lassie. We all caught that late. You know, my, my daughter got so tickled the other day. Uh, she was driving uh, in, toward the house and she saw a little baby buggy and she just knew it was a baby in the buggy. And they were pushing the little dog. Just pushing the dog. The dog in the baby buggy. That dog need to be getting, that dog need to be out walking. Look how quiet now. That dog needs some exercise. Pushing the dog like it's a little three month old baby. You know, got cats, dogs in the grocery store basket. Dog putting his rear in in the basket, and then you got to come behind him and put your ham in it. <laughs> we make gods out of dogs. We make gods out of gods out of cars. We make gods out of clothes. We make gods out of people. We make gods out of things. Some of you have made God out of yourselves. And the, the Word of God says, "You will have no other god before me." I am a jealous God. I'm not going to have it. I'm your creator. I'm your maker. You look to me. Woe to the blood, bloody city. It is full of lies and deceit. Full of robbery. Its victims never depart. And then Nineveh was guilty of worshiping false gods and also engaged in witchcraft. Uh, and a lot of you are engaged in uh, and, and you're involved in Harry Potter. And y'all look at that stuff and Ouija boards and all these kinds of things. And God hates it. The crystal balls and all of this stuff. Nahum chapter 3 verse 4 says, Because of the multitude of holotries, of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries. We have all kind of magic 
and uh, uh, witches and warlocks. It's a religion today, a false religion. Here it says, who sells nations through her holotries and families through her sorceries. Beloved, God is holy and does not change. The word is called his uh, immutability. He is immutable. You say, what does that mean? God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same God who planned to destroy Nineveh will also judge America because the sins of our nation today rival the sins of Nineveh. Look at verses 6, 4 through 6, and verses 9 through 10. Verses 4 through 6, and verses 9 through 10. It says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He walked in that city. It was dangerous. He was some wicked people he was preaching to. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh, look what they did. <gasps> the people of Nineveh believed God. Proclaimed a fast. These were the bloodthirsty, wicked people who had no regard for life. They would kill you. They, they, would, they would wipe you out. They would kill at a moment's notice. They, instead of killing Jonah, they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth and ashes from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh. What if the word came to our president today? And look what he did. Look what the king did. He arose from his throne and laid aside his robe. That's humility. Covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened because they repented, humbled themselves. In these verses, we can clearly see true revival experienced by Nineveh through their response to the preaching of the word of God through Jonah, through Jonah. Well, how do you know when genuine revival comes? You know what came to Nineveh? It was revival. Say the word revival. revival. When was the last time you heard anybody say the word revival? It's a strange word nowadays. You know, years ago they had two-week revivals. There were great revivals throughout the centuries. And people came, people got saved and came to know the Lord. Then you had the Billy Graham revival, the Welch revival. You had all kinds of revivals throughout history. Now you don't hear that word Bible. We can hardly have today a three-day Bible conference. You know, but they went for weeks. How do you know when genuine revival comes? Number one, there is no revival apart from believing in God. 
There is no revival apart from believing in God. You say, how do you know that? Look at verse 5a. It says, so the people of Nineveh believe God. My friend, if that's going to be revival, you have to first believe God. Apart from believing God, there is no revival. Beloved, you know that revival has come when there is a heightened sense of consciousness about God. You talk about God in the morning. You talk about God at noonday. You talk about God at night. You talk about God in the workplace. You talk about God uh, as you eat. It's, it's, it's God as you rest. It's God on vacation. It's God, God, the Lord, who he is, what he's done. You, you, your conversation is about God. It's about God. In other words, there is a true awareness and sensitivity to God's holiness when revival comes. There's a heightened sensitivity toward God's character when revival comes. People will get back to the book, the word of God, when revival comes. And we need revival in, Mar in Maranatha. We need revival in many of our churches today. Isn't it amazing? People can preach and never read a scripture, never reference a scripture. We were praying over that couple, and I read a, a passage from Joshua. It's the book. It's the Bible. This is God's revelation from himself to, to the people, to humanity. This book is the only book God ever wrote. 66 books in the Bible, two Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. It, it is God's book and it's the only book God ever wrote. It is inspired, it is infallible, it is potent, it is powerful. And it is the only book that God has ever wrote. It is inspired, it is God breathed. God breathed. This book is a unique book. I, I have been pastoring for over 36 years. And over those 36 years, I've only brought one book to the pulpit. And that's the Bible. That's the Bible. Now, I use technology and I can do some of that stuff. Perhaps not as good as you, but I can do a little something with it. But when I'm in the public place, when I'm around, when I'm at the car wash, I pull out my Bible. When I'm, when I'm at the airport, I pull out my Bible. When I'm in the airplane, I pull out my Bible. You pull out your cell phone and they think you're playing Pac-Man. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. It's been newsiest news since news has been new. Get out of bad news. Get out of public opinion. Get out of The View. Get out of CNN. Get out of ABC. Get out of Fox News. Get out of all everything, CNBC, and every, all the other alphabets I can't name. And get in the good book where you can have holiness, where you can have standards, where you won't lose your mind and walk in, in anger and be mad at everybody. This book will calm you down and rest your soul and make you whole. Nothing can do like this book. You, nothing can do like this book. The B-I-B-L-E. It is the book for me. It saved me. 
It, it washes my dirty sins. It heals my mind. It lifts my depression. It, it gives me hope. It, it increases my self-esteem. It makes me firm in an unstable society. There's, it calms my fears. It lessens my worry. It, it, it blesses me. It, 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 it does like only it can do. Where is your book? Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the only book that saves. The only book. And all the other books is counterfeits. Not the Quran, not the Mormon book, not any other book. One book. The Bible. I remember we were going to Philippines. You ever heard me say that? Well, a time or two in an illustration. And I couldn't sleep on that place. It was a long plane ride. We were going over there to do work and, and celebrate the Bible being translated in the language of the people, the Kagayan people over there. And I took my little light on over above. And it was we out of the morning. I put my book and I began to read the page before I can get going good. This man, uh, I was in the middle section of 747, this huge plane. I was sitting on one end. He was on the same row on the other end. And he looked down there and saw me and everybody else was sleeping in between. And he said, I know that book. I said, you do? He said, I said, what is it? He said, it's the Bible. And he said, can you come over here and tell me something about it? Now, if you were on the plane, what would they have said? What would they have said? Uh, that he wouldn't even notice. He wouldn't have talked to you. It's, you know what? Even walking with this book, reading this book, it's a testimony and it creates a conversation and people either are for you or against you. They'll get mad just because you got the book in your hand. But so be it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I'm per persecuted for righteousness sake and for the sake of God's word, if they persecuted Jesus, I don't mind going through persecution. And don't you think Satan is not listening to me, listening to me. And uh, you speak too loudly, Satan will take you up on your word. <laughs> Why don't y'all say amen? All oh, this book, this book, you know, revival has come when you give the word preeminence and first place in, in, in your life to the glory of God. You know revival has come when you are sensitive to the will of God. You want to know the will of God for who you're going to marry. You want to know the will of God for your financial decisions. You want to know the will of God for your, your future. The will of God for your finances. The will of God for direction and major problem and decision making. You want to know the will of God. When genuine revival comes, our heart's desire will be to believe God and put him at the center of our worship. To put God, the Lord Jesus Christ, at the center of our family. The Ninevites believed God at the center of our family, the center of our workplace. The, put him at the center of our finances, the center of our lifestyle. Genuine revival will move us to deny ourselves and follow Christ. There will be a deep desire to glorify him in all that we do. I pose a question to you today. The scripture says, Nineveh believed God. But the question I pose to you today is, do you today believe God? 
Throughout the pages of Holy Scripture, God requires sinners to believe him. Now, some of you believe the cowboys. You believe the spurs. You believe fishing. You're nothing wrong with those things now. I look at that. I don't go out too far in no water and all that. I'm not picking up poles and going out there. I'm going to stick to, I'm going to stick to preaching. I go out there and I turn over, you know, but, but, uh, it's, I'm not saying something wrong with golfing, but some of y'all golfing take up all your time. You live on the court pushing that little white ball and never pick up and look at the white and black pages of scripture. I'm talk. I'm talking about, I'm talking about God, 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 the stores. Some of y'all know every store in town. Every store in town, Nordstrom, Macy's. You say, I'm struggling. I'm going to all the stores. C- come on, call some stores out. Y'all say, Dillard's. Come on, talk to me. Y'all, don't act like you don't go to the store. Huh? Oh, TJ Maxx? I thought that was a food place. And all these other stores, there's so many of them, I don't know what they all are. But you know what they are. You live in them. You, you, you get in fashion heat. You just got to go. Wear stuff on that fading body that's decaying. Your body's still decaying. That's right. That, that, those clothes, that, they can't lift your spirit. Those, those clothes can't. Can't help your identity in Christ. God's word does that. So, so I pose a question to you today. Do you believe God throughout the pages of scripture? God requires sinners to believe him. Romans 4, 3 says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God way back up 4,000 years ago. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham was saved by the same faith that we were saved by. Abraham was saved by faith. We were saved by faith. Abraham looked forward to the coming of Christ. We look back on on what Christ did for us on Calvary. He was saved by faith. And it was counted to him for righteousness. We believe by faith the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 43.10 says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. Believe who? Believe God. And understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. God's word says, believe me. Mark 1.15 says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent! And that's what Nineveh did. And believe in the gospel. Repent. You say, what does repent mean? It means to change your mind. Change your thinking. It is to turn from your sinfulness, your wickedness, your wretchedness to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And begin to walk by faith in holiness. Believe in God day by day. The, the word of God says in Mark 1.15, repent. And believe the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his uh, only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Believes in him. Should not perish 
but have everlasting life. John 3.18 says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. John 14, one talks about believing. This whole book from, from Genesis to Revelation is about believing God. Believing God through trouble. Believing God through adversity. Believing God when your children ain't right. Believing God when your husband or wife goes awry. Believing God when, when death comes. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm not going to believe in social media. I'm not going to believe I have Facebook friends. They are not your friends. Believe God. John 14, 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe God the Father. Believe God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Father sent God the Son. And Jesus said when he was on earth, when you have seen me, you have seen God. I am the exact representation of God. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, but these things I have written. It's in the book I have written that you, what things? Everything in this book? Everything in this book? Yeah, yeah. Some of you say, well, where's Genesis? It's in, it's in the book, the, the first book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.